Anybody have anything they want to say? Yeah. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Okay. I want to win for my dad. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Thank you. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the head. And he fell to the ground. Amen. Amen. Another week, another win for Michigan. Another year, another loss for Ohio State. Blake Corum scores two touchdowns. JJ plays like the JJ of old. Sharon Moore outcoaches Ryan Day. And Rod Moore etches his name into Michigan lore. The Wolverines make it three in a row, and they're on to the Big Ten title game. Welcome to 16 Saturdays. Nick Fogle here with my brother, Will. Will, how are we doing this afternoon? Nick, I'm I'm at the point in life where I type the word days into Google and I immediately get 1458 because Google knows what I'm looking for. It's days since Ohio State beat Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're up to. I mean, when you think about it, by the time this game is played next year, it will have been five years. Five years. Since Ohio State beat Michigan. Um, we were talking to Kara before, you know, the, the, it, it took her, we date, we've now been dating for almost, I guess, 11 years. The first, you know, whatever, seven, six, seven years of our relationship, the, the, you know, we Thanksgiving weekend was was always terrible. It's like that. This is such a different feeling. We would, we would always go to second Thanksgiving. So we won't go too into the weeds, but, uh, you know, a gathering of, of the families, multiple families got together Saturday night every year. And for us, that was always a, okay, after the game, we have to go take an hour long walk in the cold yes, and sort of numb ourselves so we can go try to be cheerful, uh, with our, our great friends. Yeah. Um, I felt sad this year. We couldn't, couldn't see them after the game cause I was, uh, in a different kind of mood. Yeah. Yeah, and it's always been, I feel like, for, for that that long stretch, that whatever, 16 years where we won one, it wasn't, it was, you know, not only did you you lose the game and Thanksgiving weekend has a whole new tinge, but then it'd be like, 
immediately after, you know, like the Zach Harrisons of the world would, would basically be like, well, now they're going to Ohio State. It'd be like the, all the momentum is going that way. And this is just a totally different feel. You know, well, I think we have to stop talking about that because like now I'm just going into that <laughs> state again and, and that's behind us. That's behind us. You know the last Ohio State game dad went to before this one? I, I went to one with him during that stretch. I went to one with, uh, I guess this was like the Vincent Gray era. So I would have thought that as well. I, I thought he went. Or Vincent Smith. Uh, during that time. He says no. He says he hasn't been since 03. That's a lie. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, that's what this game will do to you. You have to repress those memories. Even if it's a weekend away with your son, you've got to get rid of it if it's a loss. I think he's going to remember this one. Yeah, I, I think he will certainly remember this one. Um, now I can just see it. Dad listening to this, he's definitely going to be fact-checking that. It's possible I went to that game without him. I, I don't know that that's true, but it's possible. Well, let's start. We, let's let's tell people where we're going here because there's a lot we could get into. And, and this is you know probably – Sorry, even, even before that, I just want to thank everybody who's listening right now. <laughs> Uh, some of you have been been with us even since the wilderness years where we were we were in that losing streak and this was not a pleasant week of the podcast if it ever happened Actually, I don't think it happened too it often. rarely <laughs> happened but if it happened it was ugly and so if you're here with us today we just love you so much I mean I got so many text messages during the game after the game before the game people checking in people frankly like I don't talk to Right. At all. Yeah. Uh, but reaching out, telling me that they were here in the pod, thinking about us. And I, that is the part of Michigan football that allows me to justify this obsession uh, to Becky. Uh, that community that, that you all are a part of that really connects this and makes this meaningful. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I love you. Thank you. And if you want to review us on uh, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> well, and hey, we should say uh, it was one of the sad things this year. We weren't able to do the live pod. You were, and then you got sick too. So we, weren't, we, we promised people a preview show. We weren't able to do that. Um, this this week, I think we can do the live pod, right? So we'll, we'll be Confirmed. live, live podding. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Saturday. Um, so you, you have that to look forward to. We'll put that out on the, on the you know different social media uh, places where, where you uh, are, are hopefully following us. But, Will, let's do this. We'll talk about our game day experiences. And I think here we have to sort of shout out again the people who have been through, uh, you know, been through this obsession with us and support us through it. So I'm thinking of myself with Kara. You know, you, you were at the game with Dad, with Nort, you know, Jamie, Zach, et cetera. Um, Danny. Danny. Also there. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into some big questions. We'll talk about kind of what were the stakes of this game. What does it mean for Michigan? What does it mean for Ohio State? We'll get the good, the great – in the transcendence, there's no men uh, in this game. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the good, the great, the transcendent, and then we'll, we'll take a break. We'll, we'll talk about um, championship week and and some of the rooting interests for the college football playoff. But well, let's start it off with the game day experiences. You were at the game. I was jealous as hell. Can you talk us through what was that experience like? So so I'll, I'll try to because we'll get to some of this in the transcendent section. We won't talk about the game experience at the stadium very much. I will say. Town was more crowded earlier than I've ever seen it. Uh, I flew in 5.30 a.m. flight. Shout out to the Petrie brothers, by the way, for pioneering the Petrie in and out 
yeah. uh, which may now become a, a staple for me because flying in 5.30 a.m., you get to town by 8.15, you're ready to go. Right. Um, get a couple coffees in. Get the coffee, you get the bagels. Do you have coffee on the flight? No. Okay. No. You flight, you were just in. trying to zen. Yeah. Just trying to zen. As soon as we land, get the large coffee yep. at Starbucks, drink that on the way in. More coffee at Norton Becky's. Start drinking by 10 a.m. Kind of Matt Foley-esque. <laughs> so we had an issue. We couldn't find OE. And I wasn't buying anything else. Uh, we went to my old liquor store uh, near my old college house. The line was like 30 people long. Yeah, trying to buy 40s. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't wait for that. I, so we, we got to uh, game day. And I saw a guy walking by with a bunch of Labatt Blues. And I thought, well, it's blue. So, right. you know. There you go. I'll go with that. And I said, hey, buddy, can I give you five bucks for a beer? And then it turned out I didn't have five bucks. I didn't have any cash. <laughs> um, really? Venmo? But uh, I did, did. I said that. I said, can I Venmo you? And he said, no, man. Go, go blue. <laughs> yeah. Go blue. So I got a couple of bats in. But that's that's all that's all we did. So it doesn't need to be only, turns yeah. out. So then you went to you went to game day. You braved game day. The... Game day was totally calm. Yeah. And I've been to game day many times. At Michigan, at Ohio State, this was the most subdued game day I've ever been to. Yeah. And I think that's probably because most of the real fans said fudge game day and went to I mean, Big I think kickoff. we could swear. We've been swearing on this podcast for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, you have a child now, and I know Carol listens to the podcast. <laughs> Fuck game day. Uh, Pete Thamel didn't even have the nerve to show up, so the, the, the real fans didn't really show up for this. Everybody was kind of saving their energy. Yeah. For the game I was itself. flipping back and forth between Fox Big Noon Kickoff um, and, and Game Day. And yeah, I, I think like in the past, there's been a little more hype around it. Here, it was like the game was enough hype. You, yeah. didn't, you didn't really need anything to get you ready. You, you were waking up ready to go. Yeah, everybody was, everybody, as I said, everybody's there. Everybody's on campus. The stadium filled up earlier than I've ever seen it fill up. It's that was awesome, that, yeah. There's not a lack of enthusiasm here. It was just like, we're not going to get up for these clowns yeah. on television. Dez accepted. Uh, <laughs> and, and, Kirk, I, and Kirk. And Kirk. Yeah. And I love Dez calling out Pete Thamel for not having the stones to show up yeah. uh, for, that, for that experience. Uh, but the in, the in stadium experience, we'll, we'll talk more as the show goes on. The only thing I will say, shout out to all Michigan ticket holders because there were very few Ohio State fans there relative to what you see in a normal OSU Michigan game. Right. And that is, you, you think about the opportunity cost in these economic times. That's a lot of, a lot of dollars that you are, you are foregoing. Well, in inflation, to... I mean, a thousand dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the unemployed guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, it was awesome to see, like, I haven't seen on, on TV, a crowd that you know that that engaged in the big house, and and I can only imagine what it was like to be there, um, and then you getting to rush the field. Let me just say, but you know, when we're at game day experiences, best moment in the stadium in your life? It is really hard to say. It is it is right up there at the top. I think rushing the field in 03 when we beat Ohio State uh, 35-21 was right there as well. And that sealed your decision to that go to sealed, Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was instrumental. Wouldn't yeah. have gone if we'd lost that game. <laughs> yeah. Life would have been very, very different. Um, and the Michigan State win in 04, my freshman year, just solidifying that whole college group of friends, very special. But to be able to stand next to dad and experience that win 
you know, something we will each share, I think, with each other till our deathbeds. And I don't say that to, to yeah, really you, putting me on the spot. You, know? you, you were in the right place, and <laughs> yeah. you're going to share that with Ryan for his whole life. Um, but that was really special. Yeah, that was really special for me. Yeah. So, um, and anyway. you, got, you were there with Nort too, and, and shout out to my my friend uh, Sherry Pincham, who was was able to to take my seat. It was great. She was a great fan. Great to see her. Um, and really the rest of the day, I mean, when we got to the airport, my voice was gone, partly honestly because of sickness, yeah. um, but screaming, you know, I used every last ounce of it. So at the restaurant at the airport, I, you know, was mouthing words. Yeah. You gave me a call after and, and, and <laughs> there was not a whole lot of, <laughs> yeah, not the, a whole lot left in the voice. The waiter was like, were you at the game? And I was like, <laughs> and he was just like pounding me and just yeah. so excited yeah, exactly. uh, for what we How did you know? <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, let's, let's move on because yeah. there's, there's a lot to get to. I'll give you just a very quick, because mine was not as exciting, but but a quick shout out I want to give to Kara, who, again, has endured you know many uh, lows of Michigan fandom over the years. Uh, our first, we first kind of moved in together for Harbaugh's first game. Like I, we got a picture of us, you know, before that Utah that game, Utah game. Yeah. Yep, Utah I was game. in New Orleans. For um, you know, she, her Jersey is Denard Jersey. So mm. she, so she's been around the block of Michigan fandom and has experienced a lot of lows. She gets to experience a high this week, but it wasn't always, you know, this was a nervous week. She's also had to deal with like me going off about the sign stealing stuff for the last six weeks. So she's been trying through. to change your child's name, but just a couple of, a couple of real highlights I want to give to Kara. So after our podcast uh, uh, last week, we, we played the, the clip from Hoosiers and I said, you know, Kara, we, uh, we really got to get you to watch this movie. So we watch Hoosiers to get pumped up for, for and the, you know, this is, how, you know, we're, we're two weeks into having a newborn. So, you know, staying up to watch a movie is, I think it took us two nights to do it, but we, but we watch <laughs> Hoosiers. Um, then Saturday morning we wake up, she has coffee ready for me. She lets me oh. sleep in a little bit. So she's got, she's got Ryan. Um, we get Ryan in his game day outfit. We watch, we watch some game day and then we say, you know what, we got to go find some old English. Uh, got to get the forties. We go to the liquor store across the street too fancy 10 a.m 10 a.m do you have 40s of old english we're, we're pushing they're the big plastic bottles of liquor we're pushing the newborn we're looking for the they, nothing we go to another store too fancy this is a sign maybe we got to move out of we our neighborhood, out of our neighborhood. <laughs> yeah we got a little too we went to the set the second one we like walked in and it was like carpeted there's like you know candles burning i'm like this is not gonna happen you know <laughs> we, i tried to ask kara's like don't even ask but like they, they had like you know maybe two coolers total of beer like this was not the place and then we what we don't give up we go to a third place and they do have it so we get the 40s we watch we watch the game um i think your issue there is you need to go to a gas station yeah I but again why how many gas stations that gas stations seems a little incongruous yeah downtown boston <laughs> i don't know how many gas stations we have in, in downtown boston but um but but at, shout out to kara you know sitting through obviously a very tense game and uh you know you know being supportive through that and then we, we go out for a walk after the game and we're getting all kinds of reactions. Like we're outside of our, again, we're in a place where the, the liquor stores don't sell old English. It tells you a little bit about where, where we are. We walk outside and immediately I get some guy from a Tesla SUV who yells, fuck JJ McCarthy. Cause obviously I'm decked out in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, bro, like, like I'm just, you know, sort of, 
almost impressed. Like I, I'm, I'm surprised the Tesla SUV parked outside the luxury high rise is is. I didn't think Ohio State grads could afford that. <laughs> wow. I don't know where that came from. Shots fired. Shots fired. I, I do love the Michigan versus everybody this year. Michigan always, you know, pro- has provoked opinions, right? You wear Michigan gear. You'll see alums who will give you a go blue or, or an OSU or MSU fan who's, who's going to say fuck off. But this year, this last month, I can't tell you how many times I walked down the street and I've had, I think I've had three homeless people come up to me and start talking to me about the sign stealing scandal. <laughs> I was going to say. We... And say like, I think this is all like BS. Yeah. I'm with you guys in Harbaugh. And I'm like, oh, you Michigan fan. And they're like, now I am. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like that too because we, we had that reaction, and then you know across the street, so we got the luxury high rise. The other side, we got the homeless shelter, and on the on the homeless shelter side, you and I were walking. We get the you know, hey, like go blue Michigan, you know. <laughs> so we got the you know, we got that that side is is cheered for us. The the luxury high rise against you know, um. So, anyways, let's get it now. We now we've got through our our experiences, and you can tell there, there's some exuberance. <laughs> um, let's before we get to the good, the great, and the transcendent. Will a couple a couple big questions to get to um, that sort of set the stage here. I think the first one is this rivalry has flipped in a major way. Think about think back to 2020. Going into 2020, this is when Harbaugh calls out Ryan Day on a conference call for I forget what it was, some sort of practice violation. And, you know, Day basically loses his mind and probably at that point is hiring his PI firm. Like it's probably at that point he's thinking, like, I got to I got to go after this Harbaugh guy. But he says um, publicly that they're going to drop 100 on us. And in that year, 2020, we go two and four. Harbaugh's on the hot seat. A lot of people think he should get fired. Thinking about Matt Campbell and, you know, all sorts of different names. And you know what? They probably could have dropped 100 on us that year. But yeah. guess but guess what? The, the seniors now were freshmen then. They haven't lost to Ohio State. How did this turn around? And, and oh, by the way, that 100, Ohio State's still working on it. They're only 74% of the way there. <laughs> How did this rivalry flip so emphatically? Nick, I, I think there are some, some sung heroes and some unsung heroes. And so we'll, we'll, we'll start with the sung heroes, the obvious ones. There is a real case to be made that if Aiden Hutchison – chose to go pro after 2020, which he could have. He was hurt in 2020. He could have just said, I'm done. I'm going pro. If he had gone pro in 2020, none of this happens. There is a those who stay will be champions. And Aiden Hutchison and a group of other heroes stayed with this program. Hassan Haskins you know, probably wouldn't have gone pro or wouldn't have been great, but, but doubling down on this program, and there was a culture shift. And here's where you get to the unsung heroes. I think you have to turn and you have to look at Biff Pogi, because as much as Harbaugh is beloved now, he hasn't been that well liked at a lot of his other stops, or even in his early well, tenure at Michigan. That's where I was about to. Sorry, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, where are we as a society? Uh, we watched the Amazon had the like inside Michigan football yeah. season special, and I watched ten episodes of that or whatever it was. And it looked like a pretty awkward relationship between Harbaugh and the players. Yeah. By all accounts, Biff Pogi, uh, who was Corum's high school coach, just another thank you, Biff, uh, comes in as a Harbaugh's right-hand man at Michigan and transforms the culture of the program. Um, in the business world, it's all about you know culture eats strategy. 
Well, I think with Michigan, what we've seen against Ohio State is culture beats recruiting rankings. Because that 2021 recruiting class by Ohio State was transcendent. That was, by many accounts, the best recruiting class any program had ever had. And guess how many pairs of golden pants they have for beating Michigan as they all walk out the doors as juniors because they've been pros since day one. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It's, it's the, the culture, and there's so many people you can you can sort of thank to that. The, the development, you think about a guy like Ben Herbert, the, the strength yeah. and conditioning coach, who clearly, you know, someone like DJ Turner, who's not even on this team because he got developed so much. Like, there's all these guys who were three stars, you know, four stars, people who were passed over by Rod, Ohio Rod State. Moore. Rod Ohio. Moore, who was passed over. JJ, who was passed over. Dream School is Ohio State. He gets passed over by Ryan Day in favor of Kyle McCord. They meet in this game, and JJ is JJ, right? Like, and, and I think it's not just like JJ once he got here, but think back to that 2020 season when everyone's jumping off the Michigan bandwagon and everyone's saying, hey, we need to change things up. JJ as a recruit at the time is, is you know, sort of messaging out Support yeah. for Harbaugh, support for the team. So I think you give you got to give like the players a ton of credit. This is a unique group of leaders, guys like Chris Jenkins, guys like Mason Graham, um, the whole offensive line, like really across the board, Michael Barrett, Mike Nisainristel. These are guys who are veterans who chose to stay and then who through their leadership not only kept the program together through this sort of dark, t- dark days of 2020, not only saw it through its resurgence, but kept it together this last month. This last six weeks where I think as fans, like I was strung out. I can't imagine being a player and trying to trying to play not just for your season, but also for the whole resurgence. Like if we go out there and we get crushed by Ohio State, Ohio State the narrative is, well, the last two years were a sham. Yeah. Now the narrative is, this is what Michigan is. Michigan 1458, is 1458, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you give a lot of credit to the players. You give a lot of credit to the coaches. I, you got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh too, right? For yeah. recognizing the flaws, for giving up control. I think we have seen it. He's had, he's shown a willingness to change that is frankly rare for a lot of uh, leaders. Yeah. And, and let's give credit. Ward Manuel, the athletic director, much maligned by the fan base. Whether that's fair or not in recent events, let's be honest that a lot of the fan base wanted Jim Harbaugh's head after the 2020 season, and Ward stuck with it. Yeah. And that took guts at the time. Everybody now saying Ward isn't doing enough for Harbaugh, half those people were saying fire Harbaugh yeah. after 2020. Yeah. Ward stuck with him and I think deserves some of the some of the credit. He's a Michigan man through all of this. Yeah. Um, Will, what does this win mean for Michigan you think about like how big these moments are I think 2021 was a massive turn for Michigan what is 2023 because we said going into this it might be the biggest game of our lifetimes what does it mean for Michigan well this game not only validated this season it validated the last two years because 2021 after all of this absurd sign gate nonsense was under threat if Ohio State had walked into the big house and had won by 20, right? Maybe even if they'd won at all, but certainly if they'd won big, which was possible given their roster. If they'd done that, Ohio State fans would have said, the last two years don't count. You guys were total cheaters. Not just Ohio State It didn't matter. National national media. The whole world. And so this game not only meant something to this year, 
it preserved and honored and solidified the legacy of the last two years. And that legacy is Michigan is a premier power in college football now. And it is a premier power that does things distinctly differently than other premier powers. Because if you look at the big powers, and really there's, there's only four now. There's Alabama, there's Georgia, there's Ohio State, and there's Michigan. There's other interlopers that may be powers this year. But if you look back over the last couple of years, the staying powers, those four programs, Michigan is the only one that plays a Rod Moore, that plays a three-star who was passed over by everybody else who makes the biggest play of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think um, what, what you see is where you talked about the culture being validated. And I think oftentimes after these, the, you know, these big wins, you're, there's an instinct to jump to, well, what does it mean for next year? Like, what, what recruits are we going to get to pay off? I think what Michigan has showed, these people have been a little bit frustrated. Well, the recruiting rankings aren't as good as they could have been um, from the past couple of years. But what has been really good is the transfer rankings. I think people now recognize this is Michigan's culture. They're not going to go out and they're not going to pay, you know, some high school kid $2 million to go there. What they're going to do is they're going to attract people to come once they're established. The guys like Drake Nugent, the guys like Olu Oluwatimi, um, uh, uh, Bar- AJ Barner, like the, the transfers are going to be big and they're going to get guys to stay because it's actually fun to be there. Like you actually want to be on the, uh, a part of this team. Well, many weeks this year, one of the things we said in the, the good section was every single guy on the roster played. It's this everybody eats mentality. What did we see this week? We saw that pay off, right? We saw, okay, Zach Zinter goes down. Arguably, top pick off the board from this Michigan offense is Zach Zinner, right? He's an All-American. He goes down. The offensive line then goes on an eight-minute drive, right? Right, Because Trente Jones had been brought along. And stayed. The whole season. And he'd stayed. And he'd stayed bought in. Yep. Uh, You see, arguably, not even arguably, definitely the top draft pick off this defense. Well, likely. I guess Mason Graham might, might top him. But Will Johnson... Another borderline All-American who's been shadowing Marvin Harrison all day. He goes down. Guess what? The defense doesn't take a big step backwards yep. because McBurrows has been playing. St. Crystal's played all over the field. Uh, the defense is ready for this. Quentin Johnson, not really a starter anymore from the safety position, delivers the biggest hit of the day in a crucial moment to knock the ball out of Egbuka's hand. So this, in a world where we are increasingly incentivizing, just pay the best guys, just get the best five stars. Michigan is the answer that says a team, a team, a team, a team, beats your collection of rock stars every day of the week. Yeah, and I think you won't, I would expect you're not going to see a huge jump in five stars. Like, you want a few, obviously, you know, J.J. Corum, Johnson, uh, you know, Mason Graham was borderline. Those are useful players to have, right? Those are key components. What I would expect you see is those quality transfers continuing to come. It's like if you want to go and get yours, okay, go to Ohio State. Yeah. You can go pro in three years and that's fine. But I think if, if you want to go and you want to buy into the team first and you want to develop and, and maybe you don't get your stats, but you're still going to get to the league, go to Michigan. 
And I think I think that's the signal that you know this this game sort of sends. Um, now the key is Harbaugh needs to stay, but but we'll we'll talk more about that. Um, Will on the flip side, what does the loss mean for Ohio State? Yeah, I mean I think it's an identity crisis moment. Now I think I've listened to a lot of Ohio State podcasts. You're a better man than me in the last <laughs> in the last two days. No. I am not because listening to other people in pain and just smiling is probably not saying something good about my non-sociopathic <laughs> tendencies. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. But over there, I think they're treating this loss as different from the last two. Because at the end of the game, and they're right about this, either team could have won. Yeah. And I think what they're saying is like, look, you go on the road, you play a top, te- top five team, sometimes you're going to lose that game. And so there are questions about Ryan Day, and I haven't heard a single podcast that says if Ryan Day loses next year, he's not on the hot seat. But I think a lot of Ohio State fans are still willfully saying the last two years don't count because of cheating. So this is the loss. And they're saying as long as we win next year, he's fine. If he loses next year, I think he's definitely on the hot seat. The Ohio State fan base is not willing to settle for being worse than Michigan even if it makes them a top five program. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because next year then becomes a massive one, right? Because if you lose that one, then you got to go to Michigan. The for- mitigating factor for them next year is as they get to a 12-team playoff, right. they can still move on because the Ohio State team, as we saw last year, they lose to Michigan. They almost beat Georgia, right? So I think Ohio the- State, just because they can't beat Michigan and, you know, they're not tough enough, right? <laughs> we all know that, but uh, they're still stacked enough to win a national title without doing it. They are and they aren't, though, right? Because Ohio State, I thought they played a great game against us. And they they have a very good roster. They're going to lose a lot from this roster. And if you look at, like, you know, their performance this year, they should have lost to Notre Dame. Absolutely. Like, there's no way they should have won. Well, they're breaking in, a team breaking in a new quarterback Always is going to have games like that. Yeah, but very, but, very, very rarely. But, do you but not here's have the thing: that. is okay. Next year, you probably lose Jack Sawyer. You probably lose JTT. You um, you definitely lose Marvin Harrison. You probably lose Ibuka. You probably lose Travion Henderson. Yeah. Like I get that you have five. You're stars. still going to have plenty of five stars get, to replace all those guys, except on the D line. I think the D line does take a step back. There's no way the receivers don't take a step back. Well, and, sure, sure. And there's no way the running back like. I'm just saying, like this, there, there's a there are a lot of question marks. This is not a team that was like crushing teams and then played Michigan close. It was a team that was skating by, and then and then played played a great game against Michigan, to but your, still lost. To your point, though, I think any team we're now in the elite, right? You're looking at an elite program. Elite programs will churn talent every year. That's not that's not an outsized loss for them. Compared to what Michigan or any other elite, program but but I think the question the question is more okay. Michigan has sort of proven that we are developing talent, and so we might have these blips where it's like, hey, this year's team is really good, and the roster comes together. Next year, though, like, but look at who Ohio State lost last year. They lose C.J. Stroud, who probably would have won two Heisman's if he'd beat Michigan. They lose Smith Najigba. Well, he didn't really play last year, though. He was hurt like the whole season. But he's still he's still like as good as as Marvin Harrison. Yeah, but he didn't play on the team. Like so, I'm saying you lost, we basically lost him the year before. I, I think like there there's a there's got to be a fear for them. Like the player development. I don't think they're feeling that fear. 
if you listen to any of the, you know, again, having listened to a lot of that, they think Michigan loses more this year than they lose. Yeah. Well, and I think they're probably right about that. Especially when you look at how Ohio State reloads, how many underclassmen five stars they have on that roster. Now, yeah. well, does Michigan develop better? Yes. Otherwise, like, this wouldn't be a conversation. We wouldn't be recording this podcast. We'd be drinking ourselves into a party. <laughs> uh, but uh, does Ohio State recruit enough five stars consistently that they're going to be just fine next year? Absolutely. Mm. And Kyle I, McCord's I, a good quarterback. He'll, he'll be good next year. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think there's I think there's questions, and I think if they lose if they lose this game next year, and the seat actually gets hot, and you start seeing like the recruiting kind of tail off, or or the transfer portal more more importantly, because they're going to have some holes they need to fill in the transfer portal, and they're still Ohio State, and so they'll still probably be able to do that. But if it starts to actually get hot, and it's like really hot, now it starts to become hard to do. And I I'm not so like I think they're I think they're a good team. I think they're also a somewhat flawed team, and so. If I'm Ohio State, I don't I don't jump like because again we had this conversation about Harbaugh in 2020. You know they're they're a couple play they're one play away last year from making the national championship, probably winning the national championship. They're a couple plays away this year from winning the game against Michigan, but they're also you know a couple plays away from being like nine and three this year or eight yeah. and four. And so I think there there is uh, you know we'll, we'll see. Um, well, let's quick quickly talk because because to the you know is Ryan Day on the hot seat question. Um, and I think if you're a, you know, a more sane Ohio State fan, you probably have to say like, no, like this dude's 56 and 56 seven. and seven. And, and, you know, again, all the, you know, those only lost to top five teams, I think. Right. Um, but all of his decisions in this game are going to be questioned. And so let's go through them really quickly. The first one is the fourth and one in the first quarter. Yeah. So uh, it, the ball's at the 46, at, at their own 46, fourth and one. He decides to punt. Good, bad. I think this one I pass on. I think you can go either way. At this point, both teams have only punted. You feel like you're playing a low-scoring you know, position, field position game. And he has no success. And you look at the interior of his offensive line versus the interior of our defensive line. That's a weakness versus strength situation. So fourth and one for them is very different than fourth and one for us. I think it's very excusable to punt there. Although you do have to put some of like their inability to, to convert on like short yardage on him, right? Sure. That, but that's a broader critique of him as a coach overall. In-game strategic decision-making. Yeah. I don't fault him for that. Do you? Um, no, although I do think he should have challenged the, the Play. I, I, I think that uh, it was Xavier, was it Xavier Johnson, I think, who, um, I, I don't know that he went down on that. And when I was watching it live, I was like, ooh, that looks pretty close. And then they spotted him like a full yard short, and I was like, okay, that's generous. And then, like, let's just let's just keep going. Um, so I've seen a couple of replays of that. Well, let's, let's, let's just keep going. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on to, Nick, the kick at the end of the half. We'll give you the first stab at this. So, again, Ohio State's marched down. I think they're at about the 35-yard line. With about 35 seconds left on the clock uh, and one timeout, they choose to burn the clock, uh, burn the clock all the way down, call a timeout, and attempt a 52-yard field goal. No wind on the day, but with a quarterback who's only three of five beyond 40 yards and hasn't attempted with a, a 50, kicker, with a kicker, with a yeah. kicker, yeah, uh, it hasn't attempted a 50-plus yarder uh, this year. 
Man, I, I kind of give this one a pass too, right? This is such a hard decision. I think like if you decide you're kicking, then obviously you're running it down. Like I think he was right to, to run the clock down. If, if that's what you're going to do, like don't give Michigan a, you know, any time left. Um, you know, you, you, you don't convert in that situation. We still have two timeouts. There's 35 seconds. There's a decent chance we're getting points there. So I don't, I don't think it's a horrible decision to, to kick in that situation. This one, I disagree with you. I, I, I say it is a weekly bad decision. Uh, number one, you shouldn't trust your kicker based on what he's done this year from distance. He's not a good distance kicker. Uh, number two, you have the more explosive offense. And with 35 seconds to go and a pass-first offense, give Marvin Harrison, Ekbuka, give these guys a chance. Well, but, but it's fourth and two. You just said on the fourth and one, you don't like your, your chances. So like, what, what's the percentage that you convert on fourth and two? Probably over 50%. And if you convert, now your field goal is much more likely. But if you, and, but and if you don't good, convert, now you're, you're, you've got a good chance of giving Michigan points. I don't think you do because I think at that point, Michigan isn't moving the ball that well. Certainly not moving the ball that well if you can only pass the ball, which is what the situation Michigan would be in. I think that's a place where you, you get a little bit more aggressive. Wow. So I disagree with that one, though. I think I agree you can go either way. To me... The most baffling decision, um, and it's not one that's gotten a lot of talk, even on the Ohio State podcast, but the most baffling decision by Coach Ryan Day is not using his final timeout when Michigan has second and eight or whatever it was on our last drive. Well, yeah, after the second down play. After the second There's still down, like a minute 45 play. left or something. Right. And you, you could call you timeout call there. Timeout, and what that does is it forces Michigan to run the ball on third down. Yes. Or give you the ball back with a minute 30 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't choose to do that. They preserve the timeout, which gives Michigan the option, the option to run or pass on third down. Now, ultimately, Michigan doesn't pass. And doesn't convert, so it doesn't come back to bite him. But I think that was the baffling call. Yeah. And if I was an Ohio State fan, that would be the call that I'd be irate about. Yeah. I mean, because basically, like, you're trading 40 seconds, which is... For maybe 15 seconds. I mean, uh, using yeah. the timeout on offense, which but, is but what even, he saved it for, you're never going to... It's never going to be more than 15 seconds. But when you're in that situation at the end of the, like, you know, end of the game, you're probably throwing for first downs on almost every place. The clock stops on first down, so it's probably even less than 15. It's, I mean, maybe yeah. it's 10 seconds right? At, at most. Or you can, you know, you can spike, spike the ball. You can spike or you're the ball. running plays to the sideline. Like, I mean, the, 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 the scenario is you, you take a sack, right? And you have to like right. reorient. So I think it can be 15 seconds, but 15 seconds versus 40 seconds right. is a big difference. That is three or four shots right. that they weren't able to take. Well... With all that as prelude, should we jump to the good, the great, and the transcendent? Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about Ryan Day a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, let's let's section. stop. Let's stop with that. Um, Will, you were at the game. You want to start us off with the good? Yeah, I'll start in the good. I'd say the noise and the the atmosphere all game long. Uh, it was a loud big house. I don't know that it was objectively way louder than an 04 Michigan State comeback big house, but it was sustained for. Four hours. The crowd got there early. They were loud. And honestly, I'll give it to the Ohio State fans as well. We had we had one sitting right across from us. This was a decent guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I've sat with Michigan, you know, a Michigan State fan, 
an eight-year-old right in front of us, and I wanted to, you know, rip his head off. So I'm not immune to, to being annoyed by a, the opposition, but I think we have to remember that people on Twitter suck, but most college football fans, and Ohio State fans included, most real Ohio State fans are okay people, and this guy was, was an okay guy. Yeah, I want to give a shout out here to Adam Levine. I hope I'm pronouncing that Levine. Word. Levine. Levine. We talking about the, the not singer? the Maroon Five guy. No, oh. this is JP. This is oh. J- I put it in the show notes. This is JP's roommate. Oh. So, so John Petrie's roommate. He Ohio. really disappoints a lot of like uh, hinge days. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ohio, you know, diehard Ohio State fan was at the Notre Dame game. Was at this Michigan game. Um, so he he lives with our good friend JP, a Michigan grad. Um, in, in New York. And, and Adam texts, texts me, you know, pretty regularly, I would say. Um, and, and this is, you know, one of the great things about the sport is it sort of brings people together across, uh, across rivalries. And so Adam and I have this, you know, good, good natured, I would say back and forth going, we're, we're huge fans of the sport. And so we can talk, you know, football all day. Um, we, we actually met for the first time. He came over to watch that Tennessee Alabama game last year after, after Harvest Fest, great game. Adam, uh, and I, I think, it's been a little bit tenser during the sign gate. You know, the, we've, we've gotten into a long, long debates uh, over text about, about the sign gate and, you know, the different advantages, blah, blah, blah. Um, he sent some really classy texts on, on Saturday, I would say. And so a, a tip of the cap to him, and this kind of gives me faith in, in people. I think, you know, you saw with the sign gate thing, how it can sort of tear, tear people apart. This showed how it can bring people back together. He texted me, you know, right at the beginning of the day, hey, best day of the year. Um, I said, you know, good luck. I'm not going to respond to this text thread for the rest of the day. Um, and then he texted me after basically saying, you know, congratulations. It was a, it was a great, it was a great, you know, hard fought game for, for both sides. And, and to, to text that after, right after the game, you know, that I, I was, was, was impressed with him. So, so a tip of the cap to, to Adam. It's a level of respect and putting it in the good may not even do it justice that I think these two teams have for each other. And I think Ryan Day with the, private investigators has marred this a bit, but the players get it. You watch the game is very hard fought, but it is not dirty. It is totally, I never want to play Michigan state again. Their fans are garbage. Their team is garbage. (laughs) No, you know, they try to hurt us every year. They're out there to hurt human beings playing a game. Yeah. Ohio state and Michigan, both fan bases and programs have respect for this game. Uh, and it's affirmed every time I'm close to it. I like seeing that. Nick, I'll also just put in the good rushing offense. We rushed for 156 yards. Obviously, we'll talk about some of these in the transcendent section, but I think overall we would call that a good offensive performance. Uh, Pass blocking felt similar to me. Obviously, watching it live from the stands, you can't really pick it out. Um, But J.J. wasn't harried all day. It wasn't the Barnhart disaster some feared. It also wasn't domination. Yeah. This probably belongs in the great, but I want to just put it here since we're talking about the fans. Um, think back to 2020 and how far we've come. Like even our relatives, you know, Nordy, Jamie, uh, you know, others who were basically ready to write this program off, basically ready to write the sport off. It was like, hey, this isn't healthy for me. Yeah. I, get, I get my hopes up and, and then, you know, I get disappointed. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm sick of constantly being, uh, you know, let down. And at the same time, uh, you know, you know, I'm sick of all the stuff that goes on outside of it. I'm sick of the, you know, the ads and the, uh, you know, the, the, the night games or, or whatever it is. Or the, the ads did still suck. The ads still uh. suck. <laughs> um, but think about, you know, 
the way in which these last three years have transformed this fan base. Yeah. Well, when you were in there, it wasn't nervous energy, at least most of the day. In the fourth quarter, it was. But it was expectant energy. And it was the energy of a program that was proud of who it was. We used to go into this game afraid. Like, legitimately afraid. It was like, man, this, I don't know what's going to happen here. And, yeah. and and when something good happened, it was sort of like a sense, like, oh, don't We'd go te- in don't as David me. went in against Goliath. Like, yeah, he yes. pulled it out. But who saw that coming? Right. Right? Like, even, the, <laughs> even the think back to the Devin Gardner heroic performance in broken this game foot. on a broken foot. And he goes for, go, they go for two to try to, you know, take a one-point lead with 30 seconds left. In my head, I was like, even if we got that, are, is there a chance in hell that we can stop them from kicking a field goal when they still have 30 seconds left on the clock? That's the energy we had in this game. And you contrast it now where just like the confidence, the excitement, it is so much more fun to be a Michigan fan now than it than it has, has really been for a long time in our in our lifetimes. Well, Nick, and I think that's a perfect segue to the great because the first one I have in the great is the field rush. Uh, I've rushed the field at Michigan Stadium, I think only, maybe only twice. One was after this game in 03, another was now. There may have been something in there uh, lost to the annals of history. I mean, I'm guessing the only other one that happened was 2011 against Ohio State. Right, right. And, and 2021, obviously. And I was running up a mountain and, and at that we time. weren't there. Yeah. But I would say this field <laughs> rush was kind of awesome, um, but it wasn't transcendent. And that's great because people felt like they'd been there before. Yeah. Half these students had been there before in 2021. Certainly everybody else who's a season ticket holder. Um, and so that was great to be on that field and to revel in it, but also to know like, yeah, this is kind of where we belong after the Ohio State home game. Yeah. Um, I, I would put in there uh, Sharon Moore, uh, Jesse Minter. I thought the coaching staff, I'm not putting them <laughs> transcendent, although I think they you know, Sharon Moore basically became a Michigan legend and, and Harbaugh even said it himself that he's not in the king making business. Uh, but, but he nominates Sharon Moore for Michigan legend in my book, Sharon Moore legend. I don't think his, I don't think he called a perfect game. I think there were, you know, there were some questions I probably would have, you know, thrown the ball or at least given more of a, a chance to pick up that first down at the end. Um, maybe a little more creativity throughout the game, but Sharon Moore called a very good game and he's done a heroic job keeping this team together and focused throughout these past three weeks. Um, so I, I give, give credit to Sharon Moore and, and to, uh, to Jesse Minter. Will a couple quick ones and then we'll, we'll go to the, the transcendent. Uh, James Turner, if he misses any of those field goals, it's a very different game. And one of them was from 50. I mean, he, he, he was, you know, Jake Money Moody-esque yeah. in, in his, his calm, cool. And this is, a, this is an Ann Arbor guy. Who comes home and delivers on the biggest stage? Speaking of cool, got to give it to Jake Thaw. Much maligned throughout the year. This guy's a walk-on. He caught the first punt in traffic, ran up to catch it, felt scary. Second punt he catches after getting blown up by Zeke Barry. Yeah, we got to stop that. <laughs> we we stop yeah, running we do into need our to own. Stop that, and I will malign <laughs> J-Ball uh, for the special teams uh, disaster that that was. But he prevented it. Uh, and that was amazing uh, by Jake Thaw. We don't win this game without his play. Yeah, preferred walk on. Let's go to the transcendent because I know you've got uh, you've got some responsibilities coming up. Um, the Zinter moment was the uh of the game, obviously, and that was a really you know that was brutal to watch. Um, 
good news that it seems like, you know, I think Harbaugh put it, it's the best worst case scenario where it sounds like, you know, he broke the tibia, tibia and the fibula, got surgery, seems like it went well. And, and, you know, hopefully his inter is, is, you know, back for the NFL season next year and, and, and doesn't miss a beat. But I think there was a couple of things that stood out with, within that injury that could have derailed a less mentally tough team. And so many things this season could have derailed a, a less mental, mentally tough team, but it didn't. Immediately afterward, Corum comes in, biggest run of his career. Yes. 22 yard touchdown. Absolutely biggest run of his career. In because a legendary it felt like career. That was going to be the game. Yes. After, after that sequence, everybody in our section was saying, this next play is either going to be a horrendous sack or a touchdown. Yeah. Like one of those two things is happening. <laughs> So Corum scores, and then what happens? We go on a seven-minute drive to to basically ice the game, and so they're, they're well, I know, think in between they score. Right, right. but there are <laughs> offensive possessions. Um, so the the way that the team responds, the way that the crowd responds, and then finally, the picture that we got from after the game was Jim Harbaugh. Like I don't even think he watched. He probably watched the end of the game and then went to the hospital. Yeah, or watched it from from the car. From the car. Or, or maybe he was walking. I think, you know, Burns Park to the hospital, not super far. Um, but but Jim Harbaugh meets Zinter and his parents, you know, at the at the hospital. Like just stays with them all night because he's there when he comes out of surgery. Just it 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 warms the heart. Um the you know, the, the way that this team responded and Corm's flashing the six five on the way into the end zone. So um, you know, this this inter injury obviously the uh everything about how the team and the fans responded and the coaches responded, um, you know, sort of illustrate everything we love about this this program and this culture. Yeah. The touchdown pass to Roman Wilson was so unbelievable that it it was the topic of Ohio State podcasts. Just like, well, was it intercepted? How did he even make it through? They were saying it was a dumb throw because the Ohio State defender in front of Roman, if he turned around, he would have had an easy interception. But we learned today from JJ that in watching film on this guy, he knew that once that guy turns, he never turns back. And it's a hard thing to turn back, right? Like that's not like something that that most linebackers, when you're trying to catch up, you're not also looking back over your shoulder. Um, I thought it was it was such an unbelievable play by three players. Like it was a great pass by JJ. It was a great catch by Roman, and it was an unbelievable play by Denzel Burke to make it a you know a borderline. And sort of depends on which side of the you know it's, fan it's base the you spot are. Twenty twenty three. Yes, um, yeah. because Denzel Burke makes an. A, a great play on the ball. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was beautiful. Um, well, both interceptions are are sort of game changers. Obviously, the the first one sets Michigan up for the first touchdown, and and you know after a sluggish start, this sort of kickstarts the offense a little bit. So huge play um, by by Will Johnson. Also, I think it puts into Kyle McCord's head like, hey, I can't just throw the ball up to Marvin Harrison for sure, which for he sure. probably could have done more than he did, especially. Um, when, when Johnson went out and then obviously the second one, which, which Rod Moore, you know, absolute legend status, uh, three star out of Ohio comes yeah. to Michigan, tells his high school classmates, I'm going to make Ohio state pay for not recruiting me. Kara said he did that. What was the most nervous moment of the game? And what was your favorite, you know, you know, biggest high of the game. And I said, the interception. <laughs> like I was the most nervous going to that play. And it was the, you know, that, that was the, Oh, Jabo. Of 2023. When that drive started, our section, I think, thought we have maybe a 50% chance of winning this game. Yeah. 
a minute 10 left, but with Will Johnson out of the game, it just feels like Ohio State is going to march down the field and score. And they did march. Yeah. And they didn't score. With some inch-perfect throws. Um, Well, real quick, um, I'm going to say all of the jabs at the sign-stealing saga were epic. The spy plane overhead, which I, I, you know, you see the the plane going over and I'm like, that doesn't really, usually they get like a fighter jet in there. And like even Kara was talking about it. And then you learn afterwards that that's a, you know, a spy plane, a Navy spy plane. That's incredible. The, the marching band does the, you know, Michigan versus everybody. Um, and, and, and even Des, Desmond Howard calling Loved out, Des. calling out <laughs> Pete Thamel. Um, and, and the thing, you know, it's like. Reese Davis coming to his defense and saying, you know, hey, the fringe fan base is, is, you know, sent some kind of threats. You don't think Desmond Howard's gotten threats when going into Columbus before? Of course Desmond Howard's gotten threats. Like, these guys, they, they, they do a public job. And I don't, you know, I don't buy, like, okay, I don't know what was said. But I, I can't imagine that, like, going to that atmosphere in Ann Arbor is going to be a bigger threat for Pete Thamel. Like, what, he, maybe he gets a beer thrown at him. Maybe. Right. But unlikely. I will tell you, I was there. It was not a raucous environment. It would have been an environment that was very easy for security to secure had they wanted to. Yeah. Pete Thamel was a coward. And I think Des recognizes what Pete Thamel did, which is he tried to make his career, he tried to get clicks by tarring Michigan for weeks and turning what should have been a non-story into a major story that cost Michigan a linebackers coach, which cost Michigan a head coach for the game and may end up costing Michigan a head coach like going forward. It was a, it's a huge thing what Pete Thamel did. And then didn't chose not to write up right. the story given to him by an assistant coach for a rival school who said, guess what we did? Yes. We illegally colluded to steal Michigan signs. So Pete Thamel has now just kind of like let the whole thing die to some degree, it seems like. But for three weeks, he was the one and ESPN was the one that was pushing this this saga. And so I think it, Des was, it was great that he called him out. Um, and, and again, I love that, you know, Michigan sort of embracing that Michigan versus everybody. Yeah. Let's also, just very briefly, if you're part of that lunatic fringe, I'm very upset with Pete Thamel too. Even making these threats online is totally unacceptable. Yeah. We'll just say that very I don't think our listeners are doing that. <laughs> yeah. But just to be clear, we are Michigan lunatics. We are I consider myself a lunatic fringe. That is not something I want to be associated with. As much as I dislike Pete Thamel, let's just get those threats out of the picture. Yeah. It's football. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh let's go to break. We'll come back. We'll talk playoff. We'll talk pick 'em last week. See who did well there and maybe who didn't do as well. Uh, And we'll look ahead to the end of this glorious, glorious 2023 Michigan football season. Regular season. I guess now now we're into the postseason. We are. But not the the end of it. We're we're just beginning the (laughs) postseason. You're listening to 16 Saturdays.
And welcome back to 16 Saturdays. Well, we are in another championship week, and we haven't had a whole lot of experience doing these podcasts. It's been the, been the last three. Um, we now get to do a live pod, which is you know a, a great thing thing for me. Um, and we get to have so much interest and excitement over a great slate of games that you know, frankly, it would have, it would have been just really sad to have to tune out college football in this season where there's so much drama coming down to the wire, so many teams that are still alive. Um, so let's get into it. We've got, you know, the power five, five great games this weekend. What are our rooting interests here? Obviously we got you know, Michigan over Iowa. That's, that's the big one. Um, wh- what else are you looking for? Well, so I think it really hinges Nick on what happens in this Bama Georgia game, because if Georgia wins, they will be the number one seed in all likelihood. Yep. Uh, and if they lose, Michigan will be the number one seed. I think if, if Georgia loses, you're rooting for Florida State to beat Louisville because Florida State will likely make it in and they uh, will limp in and yeah, shouldn't the, be in. They are the weakest. They are the weakest. So if they're going to be the four seed, we want to be the one seed. Yep. Uh, if Georgia beats Bama, you are definitely rooting for Washington. You mean if Bama beats Georgia? No, if, Georgia, okay. if Bama beats Georgia, root for Florida State uh, and root for... Oregon to to be in there as the kind of two three with whatever SEC team is in. Yeah. If on the other hand we are going to be the one seed, definitely root for Florida State, and I think you root for Washington over Oregon. They're going to be the weaker. Uh, I'm rooting for Washington regardless, right? I, I think because you just I, don't want Oregon's Oregon's a challenge. Yeah, I also like Washington more than Oregon, uh, but yeah, I think I mean Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite over Washington. Vegas clearly yeah. thinks there's a massive difference between those two teams, and I agree. I agree. Like yeah. Oregon is a very good, complete football team, and so Washington winning and, and eliminating them, I think, would be really advantageous because I think you know that's that's a really tough team to match up with. So I think I'm rooting for Washington. I think you, you root for Florida State because they're the weakest. And so getting them in, regardless of whether we're the ones to play them you know, first or not. Um, I think the only argument against that is that if, if Georgia's going to be the one seed, true. I'd rather Georgia have to play Texas yeah. on the off chance that Texas wins that game and we can play Texas in the championship. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. No disrespect to Texas, but I'd rather play them than Georgia. I'm rooting for Texas over Oklahoma State, um, in part because that slams the door on on Ohio State. I think you know a a Texas team that has gone on the road and beaten Bama and won their conference championship, they will get in over Ohio State, as will the Pac-12 winner and as will the SEC winner, and so that 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 closes the door for them. I also kind of like the idea of like Texas being back, and we're going to play them next year. So having like two playoff teams like meet in week two next year would be pretty cool. I agree with that. I hadn't thought about the the look ahead angle. Yeah. Um, in the SEC, I'm rooting for Bama over Georgia because that becomes chaos situation, right? Like then how do you put Bama over Texas? How do you put Georgia over Bama? And now all of a sudden are we looking at the SEC getting, you know, outside looking in because here, here's what you've got. If you have the PAC 12 winner, Especially if it's Washington, an undefeated Washington who has beat Oregon twice is getting in over a one-loss Bama, and a a one-loss Texas who has beat Bama is getting in over over Bama. Michigan is getting in over Bama, and so then it comes down to basically Florida State versus Bama, an undefeated Florida State versus a one-loss Bama, and that is a that is a you know 
a tricky question. I think I'm going to take the other side of this, Nick. I'm going to root for Georgia to wipe the mat with Bama because I don't want to win this title with an asterisk. And I think if the SEC is left out of the playoff, they will say, well, that year the committee stole it from us. It didn't count anyway. And it will be annoying, but you won't be able to refute it as easily. Whereas I think the true story of the SEC this year should be there is one great team, that is Georgia. There are a, two other decent teams in Alabama and LSU that are both pretty flawed yeah. in their own ways. And that's how the season should play out. Georgia should play. And then there's, the then there's sort of a middle. Lose. There's a middle of like Ole Miss and Mizzou. And then there's a really bad like. There's inexplicably Tennessee who's still ranked. But yeah, like Tennessee is bad. Florida is bad. Like everyone else is bad. Right. And so I think that narrative is enhanced by Georgia trouncing Bama, which I think they have the ability to do. And then Georgia going and losing what's going to be a hopefully a phenomenal national championship game against Michigan. Fair, fair. Um, well, a couple quick questions. Is Florida State in with a win? I don't think they should be. I think they likely are. Uh, but I don't think they should be because I think they are. Not only are they not the best with their quarterback absent, I don't think their resume would be as good as Texas. Yeah. What are their wins? It, it LSU. really comes down to LSU. And they, they beat Clemson, but Clemson's like... Clemson's an 8-14. Exactly, and they needed a missed field goal from like the guy who joined the team that <laughs> week to, to, to win that game, and they won it in overtime. I think I, Texas has the better wins, and the loss by Texas... Like you telling me Florida State plays Oklahoma and doesn't lose at least 50% of the time? I don't believe that. Yeah. So I think Texas should get in over Florida State if they have a big win over OK State... Um, I don't know if it happens. So, Will, let's let's just pretend for a second. Texas wins the the Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, Oregon wins the Pac twelve. Bama wins the SEC. How? Who do you put in? And then Mich- Let's say Michigan wins. Yeah. So now, and let's just say Florida State loses. You get to pick three. You get three of Texas, Oregon, Bama, Washington, Ohio State, Georgia. I think you definitely take Oregon. That'd be my number one coming out of that group. Um, especially after a big win, you know, back-to-back weeks, Oregon State and Washington. That'd be big. They'd be my number one. I mean, it's probably just, it's probably not that hard a question, right? It's probably just Texas, Oregon, Bama, because they're the ones that won. That's likely, likely true. Um, I don't think Washington would have a prayer if they lose this this game. Um, I don't think OSU would have a particularly good argument. Um, yeah. Georgia would only have the legacy argument. I don't think what they've done this year is impressive enough. <coughs> I think so. I'd say those first three. Yeah. What what is what is awesome about this week is there are eight teams that legitimately have a shot. Yeah. And and like it's kind of chaos. Even if, if Bama beats Georgia, but like also Florida State loses and Texas loses, Bama and Georgia could both get in. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think they should. But but clear, it's but, but but it's very possible, right? Like, yeah. um, so there, like, such a combination here. Ohio State could still sneak their way in. Um, so there, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of a lot of permutations here. Well, let's take it back to before we you know we sort of close with pick 'em. If we look back at the midway point, you you and I picked our playoff teams. I had Texas, Michigan, Washington, and Bama. 
Which still, all those are still alive, alive, right? Texas needs to win. Uh, All those, you know, those teams win this weekend. They're all probably, well, Florida State might need to lose. You have Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, and Texas. Yeah, I think all four of those teams are individually alive, but my bracket is flawed because a Pac-12 team will make it in. I was counting on the Pac-12 to eat itself up. Yeah. uh, And that didn't happen. Yeah. Interesting to look. We we did look at our, we, we, we did pick spoilers. Those were off. You picked North Carolina. I picked Duke and Utah. So, um, not good. No, not good. Um, I wasn't going to bring that up, but I appreciate your honesty for yes. our for our listeners. It's humbling. Well, let's let's go to pick them. I know Less humbling. You've got uh, you know you've, you've got your daughter coming home here in a second. Um, okay, congratulations. I've won like seven weeks in a row, but we'll we'll give you this like one five weeks in a row. <laughs> we can go back. Dad will play stat boy on that. Yeah. Um, but yes, you were five and zero in this week, uh, so so you emphatically take the win. Um, we need to get something on the line for for this week because this is you know this is the big one. Um, five games, the the Power Five championship games. Uh, do you want to start? You know, this is you've been you've been complaining about the fixed lines. Do you want to start here? Sure, I'll I'll go first, and I'm going to take Oregon with a big line nine and a half over Washington. I think they actually get this done. I'll I'll take Washington. Nine and a half is a huge number. Um, I, I am worried about this because I think Oregon's a better football team. Uh, but Washington's explosive. They beat, them, they beat them once. There's some confidence there. Uh, I'll, I'll go Washington. Okay, Nick, to you, Oklahoma State, Texas in the Big 12. Last year this game can happen. That's sort of a theme for these first two. Uh, Texas, 14.5-point favorite. Here I'm going to go with the the favorite, Texas, because Oklahoma State, it's sort of like inexplicable. Like th- this is a team that got absolutely smoked by UCF. And then, you know, needing to win to get into this game against BYU, they need overtime and they have to come back. Like I just don't believe in Oklahoma State right now. And I think Texas will, will be focused. They're superior, you know, athletes. Um, I, I've got Texas over Oklahoma State. Yeah, the Big 12 is an ACC-level conference this year. I really wanted lot, to see the Oklahoma-Texas rematch. And BYU almost... No, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma-Texas. And BYU almost gave it to us. Yeah. Uh, but they, they didn't quite do it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to go with Texas. Nick, down to the SEC, Georgia versus Bama. Georgia, a six-point favorite. I'm going to keep rolling with the favorites. I just don't respect this Bama team. You know, they barely get it done. They need a miracle to beat Auburn. And, oh, it's the Iron Bowl. They played enough crappy teams crappily this year. (laughs) I think Georgia gets this done in emphatic fashion. I agree with you. Yeah, there's a lot of flaws to this this Bama team. And, and, um, you know, it was pretty shocking to see the way that Auburn was able to move the ball on them. Like they're they're like we're not used to seeing teams run consistently uh, in in that way against against Bama and, and you're right like that was an oh my god I I feel for the Auburn folks who have had to just suffer through the mediocrity and, and just getting pummeled by a rival and then to lose in that fashion oh well let's let's move on to a great segue game of mediocrity well let, welcome to the ACC <laughs> Florida State and Louisville absolutely limping into this game. Louisville coming off a loss to Kentucky, which is not the pride of the SEC, and Florida coming off a Florida State, yeah. Florida State coming off a, a close victory over Florida, which isn't even bowl eligible. Florida State, your two and a half point favorite, again still missing their quarterback. Nick, who you got in this one? This is tough. I think I'm gonna go Florida State here. Um, 
I, uh, it, it is really tough, but I think that, you know, they've got superior, uh, athletes, I think to, to Louisville and I think they, they regroup and get it done. I do think that quarterback for Florida state, um, you know, not the starter, but he, he's like a high four star guy and, and, and played pretty well. So I'm, I'm going to go with Florida state here. My math here is simple. I think Louisville is a better team than Florida and that game was close. So I'm giving this one to Louisville. Yeah. That, that was in Florida. I, you know, you got to factor that in a little bit. That's a tough place to play. I don't know how tough it is when the team is five. It, and six. I was watching the game. Like it, it seemed like you know the, the crowd was into it. But I mean, Florida State can travel to Florida too. I would guess there's a lot of Florida State fans in that building. Yeah, but I mean, it's by the same token, Ohio State fans travel to Michigan. It's still mostly Michigan fans. Well, right? look, we've we've got our picks. <laughs> Let's see if they turned out like they did last week. That's uh, Nick, finally the the big one, the one that the whole nation is waiting for: uh, Michigan versus everybody. In this case, Iowa. Uh, Nick, we've got two bets on this one. One is the the line, uh, which is Michigan by 23. The second is uh, the over-under for Iowa points in the first half is 0. .5. Wow. That's wild. I got I got to give them 0. .5 just because, like, fluke things can happen. Um, I'll, I'll give Iowa that, but I'm going to give Michigan the you know, covering the, tw- the 23. And we'll give more of a preview for this uh, when, when we do the live pod. We haven't obviously talked much about that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take take Michigan here. Iowa's defense, really good. Iowa's offense, awful. Yeah. Uh, Nick, that's, the, that's the simple scouting report. I'm, I'm going to be with you on the uh, on the over uh, – sorry, on the, the 23. Michigan's going to win by more than that. Uh, I am going to depart from you. I'm going to take the under on Iowa first half points. Well, here's a question for you. Um, does Michigan's defense outscore Iowa – Iowa's offense, and does Iowa's defense outscore Iowa's offense? I don't think Michigan's defense outscores Iowa without uh, Will Johnson. Without Will Johnson, and I think we'll we'll take a somewhat conservative tact uh, playing defense in this game. Um, so I don't think Michigan's defense outscores Iowa. Iowa's defense could very easily outscore Iowa's offense. Yeah, I think Michigan's defense will outscore Iowa. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to take us on that. I mean. You, not even not even defense and special teams. Well, we will see. <laughs> yeah, we'll we will we'll see. make some of those predictions on, on the live pod. Those are the sorts of things we get to debate now. Will Michigan's defense outscore the opposition in the Big Ten championship game? Nick, it's December. We're both fathers. We both have Admirals Jug in front of us. We've got the best podcast fans in the world listening to us right now. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. Go Blue. Go Blue. Pretty girl said I'm going to L.A.